Hey podcast listeners, this is Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. I really think you're going to like this episode. Um, had a chance to have a conversation with a guy that, for one, was never supposed to make it out of his city. Um, growing up how he did, who ended up making it to an HBCU, getting his degree, and within a month of graduating had something tragic happen to him how that ended up being a positive and he's uh, grown and, you know, put positivity and love first. So I really think you're going to enjoy this uh, conversation. I hope you get something out of it. Talk soon. Hey, podcast listeners, I want to welcome you to episode 11 of the HBCU audio experience. Today, I have Richard Dahl with me. How are you today, Richard? I'm doing good. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Before we get into your story, can you give people a little backstory, your your first comic book, where you're from, how you've got to where you're at now, and um, and things like that? Yeah, you said my first comic book? Yeah, first comic book. Give everybody my first comic story. book. Uh, <laughs> I think it was like a, a a Spider-Man comic book or something. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, well, you know, like like you said, my name is Richard Dahl. Um, I graduated from Tuskegee University. Um, I got there in uh 2011, and then you know, I took about two or three semesters off, just going back and forth between Los Angeles and Jacksonville, and you know, Alabama. I eventually graduated in 2017 um, with a bachelor's in uh, business hospitality management. And then, um, yeah, um, I was getting ready to actually get off into, you know, me moving into Jacksonville, me moving to Jacksonville. But I'll just say that, I, I, I guess, you know, once I graduated college, I moved to Jacksonville and, you know, started getting stuff set up. And then, you know, uh, you know, a month later, my life changed, you know, for the worse and for the better, um, all in, you know, one situation. Okay. What was your upbringing like? Um, my upbringing, um, well, I come from, uh, come from a single parent home. Um, my mom, uh, she's a young mother. Uh, I believe she had me when she was about 21. I'm the, I'm actually the youngest in my household. Um, but I have a little brother who I met when he was 17 years old who lived with his father. Um, okay. So I grew up with um, a house full of women. Um, I was the only boy um, with my mother and my two sisters. And, uh, yeah, I, I went to uh, school in L.A. Uh, commuting from Inglewood. I would ride my bike to school every day with me and my sister. Um, and... Uh, when I was probably around in the fourth or fifth grade, my mom met this guy, uh, Leon. That's my stepfather. Uh, yeah, that's the guy that I, you know, consider him more than a father than any other man, more than my real father. Um, since the day he came around, you know, it was just, you know, it was just all love. You get what I'm saying? And he never made me feel like, you know, I was a stepson or, you know, he always just embraced me as if I was his own. And, uh, uh-huh. You get what I'm saying, and uh, so when he, when we when he first came around, you know, like I said, my mom she was a single mother, and we were dealing with our different hardship. He actually met my mom, and we were living at a Best Western on Western and Redondo Beach Boulevard, and you know, uh, 
prior to him, my mom always dated gang members and stuff like that. My father, he's a gang member. And every guy that I can remember, my mom bringing around, you know, had gang affiliations or something like that. And, you know, for her to bring this guy around and, you know, he drove a, a luxury vehicle. And, you know what I'm saying? He was from the Bay Area. He talked different. Like, he was a square. Like, you know, it, it, like, I was literally, I remember being young, fourth, fifth grade, and asking my mom, like, Mom, where'd you get him from? Like, you get what I'm saying? And then, you know, me just looking past all of that and just, you know, being able to see the man that he truly was and how well he took care of my mom and, you know, all of that, like, you know, I just appreciated him for that, you know, and that just allowed me to embrace him. He embraced me and, you know, uh, you know, he was really one of the factors that, you know, changed my life just as far as, you know, helping my mom get on the straight path and, you know, get a roof, a consistent roof over our head and, you know, making sure that we're always in school and, you know, he was a college graduate. He went to an HBCU. He went to Howard and stuff like that. So he comes from that college background and stuff like that, you know, versus, you know, before my mom, you know, when I was just living with my mom, my mom didn't have that background, you know. Right. And, you know, going all the way up into high school, you know, when it came to time to, you know, apply to colleges and stuff, like, you know, my mom didn't have that background, you know what I'm saying? So between him and my mentor, you know, they knew all the things to do and, you know, they really helped me, you know, get into Tuskegee, you know what I'm saying? Because they had already been through those processes versus if it was just me and my mom, I can honestly say I may have not gotten to Tuskegee just from that lack of, you know, knowledge, you know, about HBCUs, about the college process and all of that, you know, stuff, you know, definitely. So now it was definitely a blessing. Yeah. So, so what made you choose Tuskegee with him? Man, it's crazy because actually um, they have this big HBCU um, expo out here. It's one in L.A. and it's one in my city, Inglewood. And I walked over there at Hollywood Park. You know, that's where they put in the new stadium at and stuff over there. They redid all of that. So I walked over there and, you know, I'm just looking around and stuff. And I was a part of the Omega Gents and stuff. So we had to do like ushering and stuff over there. So I was ushering and stuff. And, you know, once I got done, you know, what I was supposed to do, I actually, you know, visited some tables. And um, I um, I was I was visiting some tables, and I um, I was looking for the Morehouse table because that's where I originally wanted to go to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. And then I remember passing the Tuskegee table, and you know the dude Ian Evans, he stopped me. He's like, "What's up, bro? Like, you know, we we're we're, we're 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 taking applications for free right here. Like, apply." I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm cool, man. You know, I'm I'm looking for the Morehouse table." Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, well, I don't think they here, but, you know, all right. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, we sat there, and, and we talk about this all the time because we sat there and we literally had a debate on how Morehouse was better than Tuskegee, how Tuskegee was better than Morehouse, and I was just so stuck on Morehouse. But after our conversation, for some reason, his energy drew me to wanting to actually apply. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm still Morehouse, but I'll put in the application. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I put in that application, you know, I ended up getting accepted. And then they ended up giving me, you know, the most money out of all the schools that, you know, um, that, that I applied to. And then I started doing my research and I, you know, saw that, you know, Booker T. Washington, you know, he um, founded Tuskegee and, you know, I, 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 the Tuskegee Airmen. And I started learning about all the rich history. And I was like, man, I think this is something that I want to be a part of. And, you know, not having ever seen Tuskegee and I never been down there, never got to visit. 
you know, I just was like, you know, I think this is just the opportunity that God put on my path, and I, I need to take this opportunity, you know, because Tuskegee was nothing like I ever expected it to be. Like, you know, I, I only been to the South one time prior to me going to Tuskegee, and that was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I never got to visit Tuskegee or anything. So when I got down there, it was literally like I was shocked that, you know, that people talk different, walk different, and it looked different out here. And, I, you know, that's why after my first, you know, semester, after you know, I was – complaining if I wanted to go back and then after my first year I finally decided like you know I gave it a year I'm good I'm not going back you know mm-hmm. and you know after I spent a year uh, a semester out here driving trucks and stuff like that doing hard labor I was like you know this ain't the life I want to live either like I think I need to go back to school and experience that and you know that's what led me to end up going back to school and you know it's probably one of the best decisions that I made right so you said they gave you a lot of money did you have good grades growing up yeah, uh, I always had good grades, although I was troubled, you know, and I got into different things, gang banging, and you know, just, um, just you know, being a disruptive, um, just being disruptive growing up, and you know, just, just you know, just everything that a lot of young young men go through, and you know, they 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 say, oh man, he's this that and the other ADHD, you know, and. You know, let's put him in remedial classes because he can't sit still. You know what I'm saying, or all that type of stuff. I was one of them kids, you know, but I was I was always smart. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I was bad and I had behavioral problems, but I was smart. Right. Like, and that's like even when I was at Henry Clay, which is a crip school out here, I went to school with all crips and I fought a lot there. I was getting suspended for gambling, selling stuff, and fighting every other week. But one thing that they could never do is kick me out of that school because of my grades. Right. Like I was an asset to the to the program. You get what I'm saying? And that's why they always kept me around as bad as I was. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, I ended up getting out of that school where I went to a school in my city with people more like me. You right. know, um, you know, because you know, Crips and Bloods and all of that. That's different. People are they they come from different backgrounds. They act different. So I went to the school where you know, where I was biking from, you know, in the neighborhood that I lived in. And literally once my mom made that change, I never got suspended from school again. Mm -hmm. Literally. Mm -hmm. The last time I got suspended from school was fighting um, in the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And other than that, I'm not saying that I didn't have fights after that, but I never got suspended. You get what I'm saying? Like, I guess I learned how to play the role a little bit smarter. And, you know, like, that's like, you know, when I got to high school, I became a sophomore class treasurer. Mm -hmm. Junior class president, senior class president. I was the Omega Gym president. I was very involved. I played basketball, football, ran track, baseball. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was very involved. You get what I'm saying? And it, I guess that that's another reason why I was wasn't able to find as much trouble because you know, you know, I was occupied. You know, I remember having a conversation with my counselor, and he's like, "Yo, you got to drop something. You you playing football? You playing basketball? Baseball?" You know, you run the track, you all in all these different, you hold all these different leadership positions. Like, you need, you got a lot on your plate. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, I told him, like, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, I'm not putting nothing down. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I continue to do do, do do that, you know. And that worked out in my best interest, you know, getting me all the way to Tuskegee. Do you think being involved really had the teachers and different faculty looking at you different and looking at you in a more favorable light, willing to help you more? I think so. And I, and the reason why is because 
remember, even though I said I never got suspended after the eighth grade, I got in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Kicked out of class and all of that. And, you know, I still had behavior problems. So that was me as a freshman. And that's what led my counselor to introduce me to my mentor, who I live with now, Mr. Connor, you know, and uh, he was the Omega Gent advisor, and he's also the activity director. So he runs the Associated Student Body over at Morningside. And, you know, I got involved with him um, because, uh, you know, my, my, my counselor thought that it would be a good look for me as far as, you know, being around a, a male role model, a positive role, male role model and stuff like that. And, um, you know, after my ninth grade year, and then I started taking up all these different positions and stuff, I guess teachers saw the change in me and they appreciated mm -hmm. that. You get what I'm saying? Even when I go to schools now, I mean, even when I still go to Morningside now and I'm still seeing some of the teachers, they like, man, Richard was a handful. But by his sophomore, junior year, oh, man, he was great. Like, right. right. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, I, 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 told, I took it upon myself to change. Like, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, when I look back at it, I've never been opposed to change. You get what I'm saying? Like, and I think that that's a big thing that people in life need to, you know, embrace is change because, you know, life, everything is constantly changing around us. And, you know, if we're not embracing change, you know, it can be very hard. You get what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. You know, even like everything that I'm going through in my situation, like, yeah, my life, I was looking at like my life, like as if it was over, but instead of just looking at it as, as if it's just changed, like it's, my life isn't over you know, nor did it just start, but it's different. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if I can, you know, move forward and accept that my life is different, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, a lot of the problems that we have, you know, are no longer problems because just from the simple fact that we're embracing change. And, you know, I feel like a lot of reason why people don't embrace change is because change brings uncomfortability. Definitely. You know, and I can honestly say that through my situation, I've been uncomfortable. You know, my life is uncomfortable. You get what I'm saying? But that's not to say that it's better or 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 or, or less better than what I was doing before. You know what I'm saying? It's just different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going through pain when I was walking. Yep. But it was different pain. You know, when you go on leg day and you do them squats and, you know what I'm saying, and your leg, you can't walk. That's pain. Right. right. I can't feel my legs now too much. You know, I don't go through that pain, but I go through other pain. Right. That's real. So, you know, it's just the same thing. It's just, it's just different, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And somebody step on your toe or you slam your toe in the door, you stub it on that couch, that's pain. I can't feel none of that no more. So, right. you know what I'm saying? I, I, it's not like I never went through pain before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you know, like I said, it's just different. And the perspective is something else. So, yeah, going back a little bit, well, was still in the same realm. Before you went to and before you decided you were going to go to an HBCU, did you think of going to a PWI? Nope, didn't even apply. Not the more. Yeah, that's uh, I would have went, I wouldn't have not went to college. Yeah, that's my uh, I would have probably been like a FedEx city worker, <laughs> right? Right, uh, you know, one of them good city jobs, probably collecting cars. I'd have probably been one of them LA guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's my same situation didn't even apply because I know that if I would have went to a PWI I would have wasted my money wasted my time and probably wouldn't have finished right right because it goes back to that what I was saying about ADHD and 
you know, a lot of black people, a lot of young black males, we don't have ADHD. Mm-hmm. We just need a little more love. We just need somebody to pay us a little more attention. You get what I'm saying? Like, exactly. And that's what they do at HBCU. Exactly. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? They give you that love. They give you that attention. They, You know what I'm saying? Like, I had teachers telling me, like, yo, like, you know, they sit down with you and they act like they're your mother. Like, you know, they act like they're your auntie. Like, you know, versus, you know, at a PWR, they just going to let you do what they do. But we got your money. Do what you do. <laughs> exactly. They don't even know. They don't even know if you came to class awesome. Like, I, like that, I used to, I used to butt heads with my teachers so much because I'm like, I paid for this this what you mean i gotta come to class and do this and that and the other but i'm not looking at it like they looking at it for my best interest and as like a auntie you know go to class you know i'm you know i'm looking at it as if like you know y'all can't tell me what to do this that and the other like you know i was just being rebellious to it you know not understanding the perspective like but when i really understood the perspective like and i was just you know like you know they just really at hbcus you know they baby you definitely Definitely. Like, you know, they make you sign in class. All right, bet you miss more than three days of class or your your, your grade drop for that. Mm-hmm. Those things that PWIs don't exist. And then as you know, you missed the whole semester and ain't been to class. And then you take the test and that you failed and you even failed the course. And ain't no homework to bring it to even out your grade. And all you know what I'm saying? Like, that was big facts. So, you know. So when you, so when you first went to Tuskegee, from LA. How did you get out there? Did you drive? Did you fly? Man, I flew. My mama dropped me off at the airport <laughs> and she got on. I was look. I my best friend picked me up from Montgomery. This is how I was so I didn't have no knowledge about anything so much that I flew into Montgomery. I didn't know about flying into the A and driving an hour, you know, to, to ski. I flew right to Montgomery. It cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> I know it did. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I got off the plane and that heat hit me and I seen them tumbleweeds and I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, oh, I know I ain't come out here. Like, where, where, where's the tree? Where the strife? Where the, um, what, what do they call it? Where the skyline? Right. You know? You're right. And, you know, uh, I, I, I just, you know, I went out there and it just wasn't what I expected it to be. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, I never got to see Tuskegee and, you know, man, I just went out there and just took a, took a risk, you know, and luckily it worked out in my best interest, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, yeah, it was crazy just going out there for the first time, getting off that plane and just seeing just the, it was a, it was a, it was a culture shock. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I had a similar experience at FAMU. I never went there before and didn't expect it to be like that. I thought it was going to be like Miami, palm trees, and beaches. So I thought, but it ended up turning into the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, but I didn't even think that it was going to be that small, though. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like SC, you know, Cal State Northridge. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. You know, like our college campus is as big as my high school, you know? <laughs> right. 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 So, you know, I just, you know, at first, I thought Tuskegee was this big campus, and then I got there. I'm like, whoa, this is little. Like, And then, like, we didn't have the calf when I first got there. So, like, we were eating in Chambliss Hall, which is the old business building. Mm. So, it was, it was, it was, it was bad, you know? Like, we used to eat, like, in these little rooms, like, 
it just didn't give you that college vibe. You get what I'm saying? But one thing that I can say, class of 2011 at Tuskegee University, we made the best out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, there's people from old ski to new ski that are vouch for that. You know, we made the best of not having the, cla- ca- the calf. And, you know, although we didn't have that calf, we still made an impact on the campus, you know. Definitely. Definitely. So how was it? Talk to me about how your experience was while you were there, left, came back. But how was your experience while you were at Tuskegee? Uh, my experience at Tuskegee, man, it was it was wild. I, and I and I say that because it was it was it was nothing like I expected. Like I said, I got to went to Tuskegee and I'm like, oh, man, finally, I get to get away from all the game banging and bull crap. I get off the plane. I'm in the line from the ID. And I meet a dude. He like, yeah, what's up, bro? I'm like, oh, what's good? I'm like, I'm like, you from LA, huh? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's what's up. What school you went to? He like Washington. I'm like, oh, all right. Oh man. Um, then I'm like, oh, so you know, like, you know, Ernest, AP, all them dudes. And he like, yeah, them my low. <laughs> I'm like, yo, low. I'm like, wait, bro, where you from? He like, oh, I'm from Block Crib. Like, told me his name. Literally, like, you know, when we bang on each other, it's a hostile situation. So, like. We are literally yelling at each other in the ID line to where everybody's like, oh, let's get out these dudes. Wait, these dudes about to start fighting. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? And next, you know, like, he's like, yeah, I'm Black Crip. I'm like, oh, I'm from Center Park. He's like, oh, all right. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, but we in, we at college and, you know, it's security and, you know, this ain't the real place to fight right here. Like, we in the hallway. Like, right. And so I'm sitting there looking at bro and he's looking at me and I'm like, man. I done ran into one of my enemies up here. You know what I'm saying? And then I ended up running into another one of them dudes. And then, you know, long story short, we ended up seeing each other in the club. And he offered me some drink. And I offered him, you know, one of my little smokes or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I look at his drink, make sure he ain't poisoning it. I'm down there like, you drink some first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and me and him, we ended up pledging like this smoking fraternity. It's like, you know. Uh, and we got real close to the point where his other homie was like, wait, why is you and this blood dude so close, bro? Right. I don't like that. Like, right. you know, and then, you know, the other Crip dude, he ended up being one of my dudes too, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, when you come from a background from, you know, people, you know, we come from gangbanging backgrounds. Yeah, we in the South. Yeah, I'm from a, I'm a Crip. I mean, you're a Crip and I'm a blood. But at the end of the day, we come, the politics in and game banging is the same whether I'm a cripper or I'm a blood. It's a put on. You got to get quartered on. Yep. You got politics within the hood. You got to do certain stuff. You know, it, it's it, we come from the same background, even though we come from two different sides. So we were able to embrace each other a lot more than I can embrace somebody from Florida or Georgia or you know. So I'm like, man, I'm about to just hang out with this crip dude because at the end of the day. If it hit the fan, we run the same politics, you know. Exactly. If if I'm ready to go, he almost ready to go too because we operate the same. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And you know, like, you know, that was the dudes that I ended up being real close to, and you know, we we ended up you know being roommates, and like, you know, those are dudes that I ran, you know, we ran the campus with. You know, they they called us the Cali crew, like, you know, and. We threw functions. We had the Cali house, which is like, it was like a frat house. Like, yeah. And, you know, anybody that went to Tuskegee between 2010 and 
2016, you know, 2017, they know about the Cali house, you know what I'm saying? And it was almost like like we were a frat on campus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, without without being without having no letters, you know what I'm saying? We had damn near like a frat house which was the Cali house and you know, like it it it, it, it was a great experience, bro, and, and it, I was able to do it with people that I wouldn't even have talked to, you know, coming in my section. You know, had we been in L.A., that wouldn't have went down like that at all, for sure. Right, right. You get what I'm saying? And it was just, it's, it's just powerful when you can just take two people from, you know, similar backgrounds, put them in a, in a place that they don't know nothing about, and they can just t- come together. And, you know, that's the dude who edited my, he edited and shot shot my whole documentary and, you know, you know, like that was the second person besides my mom when I woke up in the hospital shot that I saw. Like I was so surprised from to see him because anybody know Charles Keys, they know Charles Keys don't have an easy life. You know, he goes through his different problems. They know that, you know, he got his financial, you know, difficulties like we all do. You know, and for me, for for me to see him sitting in that hospital, you know, while I'm on my deathbed, you know what I'm saying? And like this crip dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I was just so surprised to see him. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like he literally got on Instagram and was like, yo, my boy Rich got shot. I'm broke. Like, can somebody help me get to Florida? Yeah. And people know like how how much we, you know, mess with each other. And they like, yeah, bro, I got a hundred for you. I got a hundred and fifty for you. Here you go, bro. Get out there. Wow. That's amazing. You know? No facts, it, yeah, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, you know, and it's just crazy, like, even just seeing my boy, shout out to my boy Charles Keys, like, you know, he on his spiritual journey right now, um, down in Birmingham, you know, with the Church of Highlands, you know, he, you know, he's trying to figure it out, you know, with, you know, the whole religion thing, and, you know, just, that's just his path right now, and, you know, me knowing him, and knowing his background coming from gang, from, from a gang background, and, you know, you know, me seeing him party, 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 and just do live this one lifestyle at Tuskegee and just to give up all of that and just say, you know, I want to give my life up to God. And, you know, he's in church three, four, five times a week. And, you know, while he's not, you know, perfect by any means necessary, every day he's just putting his best foot forward. And I ain't got nothing but respect for something like that. Like Definitely, definitely. And you can only form those bonds at an HBCU. I've never heard any. Nah, for sure. My boy that went to Cal State Northern, he don't have not one friend like that, like like these friends that I've created. He don't have no Chef Nim. He don't have no Cayman Stewart. He don't have no Charles Keys. You know, those are all dudes, especially in my situation that I've met in college that has been here far more than people that I've known my whole life. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. Chef Nim, he was shot on my one year anniversary 13 times. Two, three weeks later, he bounced up and just took his chef career to a whole nother level. Came in Stewart, that was the guy who, you know, uh helped me fundraise five thousand dollars for me for me to get in a wheelchair in less than two weeks. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like wow. wow. Like, and these are all guys that I've met in college. You know what I'm saying? All of them dudes that flew down here, then then flew to Jacksonville and visited me while I was, you know, in the hospital bed. They did all came to Cali while I'm out here, you know what I'm saying, doing my thing out here, came and visited me out here and you know, it's just like, you know, I always got people out here visiting, you know, from Detroit, from Florida, all type of stuff. You know, my boys that be out here, they be like, bro, you always got somebody out here. And I'm like, bro, that's that college experience, yeah. bro. Exactly. Exactly. You know, people got 
the means to come to California, you know, for 300 bucks. Cause you can come sleep on this twin size bed I got right here, you know, <laughs> and you're going to be comfortable. You know what I'm saying? You got a roof over your head. You got a hot meal and you know, you spent 300 bucks, you know, versus for anybody else that don't have nobody out here. A Cali trip is a thousand dollars minimum. Easy. And that's not, you ain't, ain't spent nothing, no, no spending money, nothing. That's just on your hotel and flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So to rewind a little bit, would you suggest an HBCU to anyone or certain types of people? Man, I would suggest. Because, I mean, even at the ski, we had white people and, you know, just just being around that different environment, even for those white people, like, you know, that does something else for them, something that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. But I know for a fact that because of their level of perception and in that college experience that it it, it it does something for them, whether it opens them opens them up to, to new experiences and to meet new people and, 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 and being able to connect with people from different backgrounds or, you know, whatever it may be, but I know that they go through their own experiences and, you know, HBCU experiences is, is very unique, you know, between the, the, the facilities that's available. We don't have the best facilities, but we make the best out of those facilities. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And in that itself, you get so many blessings and that's going to change your mind. You know what I'm saying? So if you stayed in Bethune, you know, before 2000, what, 13, before they remodeled it or whatever, like, that in itself did something for you. Yeah. yeah. Having to walk down a hall and take them community showers and it's the, the roaches and the mold and, you know what I'm saying? Like, people don't come from backgrounds like that. Although I came from a background like that and it wasn't really nothing. If you come from the suburbs and you are a African-American, you come from the suburbs and you and, and something like that, like, you know, one of my boys, G, you know, he don't come from the suburbs by any means necessary, by any means at all. But, you know, he comes from a different background than I come from. You get what I'm saying? And I know that, you know, him going, you know, living next door to me in this project housing almost, you know, like it's almost like we was in project housing, you know, mm-hmm. I know that was an experience for him. And, you know, I, I, I know that that Tuskegee struggle shaped him to be able to, you know, graduate and and, 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 and and experience some of these, you know, endeavors and stuff that you go through in life and you like, nah, this ain't nothing. You know, I didn't did this, that, and the other at Tuskegee. Like, you know, I didn't win without water. I didn't, you know, did that. You know what I'm saying? It's just all like that's just like the Tuskegee runaround. Yeah. If anybody can tell you about the Tuskegee runaround, about getting cleared and going to this building, going to that building and you know, like any HBCU runaround, that in itself uh, it'll train you to be lion hearted. I've walked into rooms where they, you know, tell me, yeah, we don't have no funds for you guys. You got to come back next semester. And I'm putting on my suit and tie the next day with my same letter. And I'm going into that same room three, four, five days back to back. And they like, man, this dude is persistent. Like, let me find some money for him. Right. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? And then just doing that, going through that experience, that just tells me not to quit. When somebody tells me no, that don't mean that mean no from you. That don't mean no from the next person. You get what I'm saying? Yep. And just going through that and going, just experiencing that. That's why I am the way I am now. That's why, why you know, being in a wheelchair, like 
you know, and, you know, this is uh, something that was probably supposed to fold me. You get what I'm saying? But, you know, I was able to stand tall through this, through this situation because of everything that I've been through at Tuskegee, all the frustration, all the good times, all the bad times. And I'm just like, you know, I didn't quit at Tuskegee. So why would I quit now? I know it's going to get better. I know I'm going to be able to find that, you know, that money. I know that I'm going to walk again. I know like, you get what I'm saying? You just got to be patient. You just got to give it time. You know, you got to have that faith. You get what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, that's where a lot of us, you know, we mess up. We, 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 we quit too easily. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, it, the 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 our reward was just right on the other side of the corner. If we would have kept walking, you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, Tuskegee just through all my experiences just taught me to don't give up. This person tell you no, okay, pick yourself back up, go to the next one, go find somebody else. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And anybody that's ever experienced or uh, triumphed in anything, you're going to go through something. And the Fact. people that haven't gone through anything, they really don't know how to get through anything. Facts. So, and, you know, so you, you know, I'm not saying, like, even, like, you know, I, I lost my ex through, you know, my whole experience or whatever, you know. And, you know, I felt like that was the thing that kind of allowed, I don't know, I don't want to, like, kind of allow her to give up on, 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 on us, you know. I, I felt like she never been through a situation like this. She never saw nobody get shot. She never saw nobody die. She like these is all like my big homie got killed March second, two thousand eleven, a month before, two months before I was getting ready to graduate uh high school and I was getting ready to go off to college. I didn't even want to go to college no more. Mm-hmm. Like it, it made me that sick to my stomach where I'm like, I didn't want to go to college no more. Then on top of that, I wanted to retaliate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, it got to the point where my homies was like, nah, ain't no retaliation. You about to go to college. Let me find out that you was retaliating. Right. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? And I just felt like, you know, like you said, people who don't go through stuff, you know, kind of similar to my ex, you know, she hasn't been through anything like this. You know, that's why when, you know, I got put in a chair, it was hard for her to see that. Right. Right. It was hard for her to look past that because mm-hmm. right. she ain't never been through nothing like that. And at that point in time, I really wanted to blame her and I hated her for that, but I can't blame her for that. I can't hate her for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because she can only, she can only understand from her level of perception and her level of perception hasn't, you know, been through nothing like that. Like, you know, she literally is hurting. She's literally confused. She's literally operating out of a place of confusion and hurt like you get what i'm saying so a lot of the things that she's doing ain't even really hurt you get what i'm saying like yeah and it took me a while to understand that you get what i'm saying and when i was able to understand that it put a lot of things in perspective for me that's really big of you to be able to have that type of empathy where you can look at it from her perspective and say you know i couldn't know before bro yeah yeah you know i just really had to be smart and just really like reflect on it, bro. This is something that I've been dealing with for the last year and nine months, just reflecting and just trying to get an understanding of everything that went on. You get what I'm saying? Mm. And bro, this is something that literally just happened this last month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me understanding and accepting like, you know, April 15th was her birthday and I reached out to her and I just wished her a happy birthday. And I apologize, you know, for being so just nasty and just, you know, and I was like, you know, I told her, like, you know, I was that way because I was trying to push you away because you was hurting me. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and and being nasty and mean, that's the only thing that I knew how to do that would help me, you know, get through this. You get what I'm saying? Right. Right. You know, I just apologize, bro. And me apologizing, bro, that, it, it just made me feel so much more better, bro. And I really feel like for the first time I'm able to finally like move forward and really move forward with good intentions and move forward with a good heart. You get what I'm saying? Like, and, that, and not just saying like I'm not worried about it, but it's really in the back of my heart I'm worried about it and it's really bothering me. You get what I'm saying? Like, like the, when I say I'm not worried about it and it's not bothering me no more, that literally comes from a genuine place. Like I'm really like I came to terms with everything that happen like I'm not mad at her no more like I don't hate her no more like none of that you know what I'm saying like yeah that that's huge so after you graduated from Tuskegee what was your next move after that man I graduated I went to Atlanta I threw a party in Atlanta then the next day after the party me and my mom we traveled me and my mom and my dad we traveled down to you know uh Jacksonville where I had like an apartment me and my cousin or whatever 25th floor. We was living lavish, man. We was living it up. We was at the uh, we was at the top of our, our, our game, man. And, you know, I was down there. My parents stayed for a week. I remember putting them on the plane and, you know, saying my farewells and I'll see them soon. Then, um, three, two, three weeks passed and my cousin like, yo, what's up, bro? I want to buy you a motorcycle, you know, for your accomplishments. Like, let's get it. Like, you know, I went to go look for me a motorcycle down in Jacksonville, I'm like, I don't got nobody to ride out here with. I'm like, I'm on a, cal- a bike in Cali. You know, although I won't be able to ride it as much, when I do ride it, it'll be a ball. I have a ball. Were you a rider before that? Yeah, I was a rider before that. This, okay. That was my second bike. Um, And so I'm like, you know, let's go to Cali and get me a bike, bro. He's like, all right, bet. Say less, no, say less. Like, I'm about to book you a ticket. Like, I'm like, all right, bet. Like, you know, I'm like, wait, just hold on. I'm going to book my own ticket. You book you a ticket, go out there and, you know, I'm going to book me a ticket. You know what I'm saying? And he booked his ticket, went out there, and, you know, I think maybe a day or two later, I was shot. Like, you know, I I ended up getting shot. Dude tried to rob me. And, like, you know, like, uh, this is, you know, just a month after I graduated college, bro. I was on, I was still high off of my accomplishments. You get what I'm saying? Like, I threw a, a, a jumping party in the A. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was high off these accomplishments, man. And, like, when it happened, like, I literally remember asking myself, like, bro, how did this happen? Like, right. I was literally at the peak of my life, like, at the peak of my accomplishment, and literally I was just knocked off my pedestal. Like, why me, God? Like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, I questioned God a lot. Like, I just didn't understand. Like, right. I did, wh- you know, and I also was doing bartending school because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hospitality management uh, management. Um, uh, major so you know I was doing that because you know I had you know my things going on I was a DJ well I still DJ and stuff like that and you know I just wanted something that I could work at night Thursday Friday Saturday you know make ends meet and you know I could chase my dreams you get what I'm saying like you know with my brands and stuff like that because I still have my brands champs and angels that's you know having the heart of a champion but having the humbleness of an angel you get what I'm saying and like you know that's one of my brands and you know just that was one of the brands that I always wanted to push. I've been pushing that for a long time, and it never really came into, uh, like, I, like I never really got to see it, you know, blossom into what I wanted it to be, you know, because it just, I don't know, I felt like I was kind of forcing my brands and stuff, you know, and then, you know, when I got shot, just the whole wheelchair gang and walking rich and all of those different brands, you know, 
those brands came to life and they came to life so quick. Even Champs and Angels, you know what I'm saying? Even though I haven't been pushing that, you know, through, you know, since I've been injured, you know, that's something that I am going to push, you know. But at the end of the day, like, I felt like all, everything that I was trying to put into works as far as me not working in corporate America, me pushing my brands and me chasing my dreams is like me. It's like I got shot and all of that stuff fell into place. I don't work in corporate America. I'm able to push my brands now. Like you get what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and it was like, that's why I say it's a blessing and a curse. You get what I'm saying? Because like, you know, I talked to my boys like Sky B and Charles and all of those guys. And I'm just like, yo, bro, I told y'all I wasn't going to be, you know, working corporate America. And then, you know, People looking at me like, bro, how are you going to pay them student loans back? How are you going to do this, that? And I'm like, I don't know, bro, but I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I don't got student loans no more. Like, you know, I I don't got to work corporate America to pay back student loans and to make ends meet. You know, I could push my brands and chase my dreams and, you know, hustle and do what I want to do. You get what I'm saying? Because I don't have $90,000, $100,000 hanging over my head. You get what I'm saying? That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, immediately after being shot... Where was your mind at? What what were your thoughts? My thoughts, literally waking up. I remember just seeing my mom and just apologizing to my mom and just like, mom, I'm sorry. Like, and she's like, what are you sorry for? Like, you act like you shot yourself or something. Like, I'm just like, I fucked up. Like, I fucked my life up. Like, you know what I'm saying? And on top of that, like, you got to watch this now. Like, you got to, you got to experience this. And I'm sorry that you got to sit here and you got to watch your son sit up in this hospital bed shot like I felt bad like you know what I'm saying you just saw me walk across the stage and then now the very next time you see me you gotta you know what I'm saying you seeing me paralyzed you know what I'm saying so I just felt so bad for that you know and I'm, I remember just being in the hospital and I would just be sitting there thinking and I'd just start crying I'm just like mom I'm sorry like and she like Richard stop saying that mm-hmm. like you know she used to always tell me Richard stop saying that sorry what are you sorry for like you get what I'm saying like mm-hmm. And, you know, just being in that hospital bed and just thinking, losing my ex. And, like, bro, I thought life was over with, bro. I'm like, bro, I can't drive no more. I can't have kids. I can't walk. I'm like, bro, life is over with as I know it. You get what I'm saying? And I'm losing my ex. I'm like, bro, this is somebody that I thought just loved the hell out of me. You know, I'm losing her. I'm like, if she don't love me no more, ain't nobody in this world going to love me. Right. Right. You get what I'm saying? And, like, you know. It was, I was in a dark place, man. I was, you know, I was in a deep depression and, you know, uh, one thing that I was able to do though, even in my depression, depression is just giving up was never really, it never really crossed my mind. It did sometimes where I thought like, damn, do I want to kill myself or do I just want to continue to live or, you know, is this the life for me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, um, I was able to just flood all my energy into therapy, man, to where, you know, I would be so tired. I'm just sleeping, just therapy, sleep, sleep therapy, you know, and uh, I ended up meeting my business partner, Francois, and we like, you know, I seen him with a KTM shirt on and, you know, like I said, I rolled. So I started asking questions and stuff like that. He said he was newly injured about a year, you know. When we was, I think he's probably like 10 months out when we first linked up or something. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I just got a car, this, that, and the other. Yeah, my girlfriend going to be driving down to come visit me. I'm like, what? You got a girlfriend? You driving? I'm like, bro, show me something. Like, you know? Right. And, you know, he showed me, you know, his car, how you get in. You know, I met his girl, and she's so cool. And she was, you know, 
very attractive. You know, she's a very pretty young lady. You know, it, it just showed me that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, there's life still, you know, although you're in this wheelchair, there's still a life that you can live. You know, you just have to be able to be willing to live it differently. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, we used to go out and, you know, I remember our first time going out, we were supposed to go out to this fair and, you know, our boy, Heem, he was supposed to help us with our chairs because my, my mom helped put our chairs in his Jeep, but we really couldn't get them out. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, boom, like, I helped him put his chair together and, you know, he put it together like I'm handing him stuff and, you know, he put his chair together, he roll around. Well, long story short, my boy, Heem, got kicked out the fair. Mm. So he's like, what's up, bro? Like, y'all trying to leave? I'm like, no, we're not leaving, bro. We just got here. Like, you know, but we didn't have nobody there to help us put together our chair. Right. And, you know, he put together his chair and then put together mine. We bounced out and we literally, like, it's just me and bro. And we, like, trying to get through the function and, you know, to the point where I'm so newly injured. He has to help me over bumps. He has to help me, like, with everything. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, it got to the point where, I was just like, you know, um, we was going through, and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, wheelchair gang coming through, wheelchair gang coming mm-hmm, through. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, we was just saying, like, we like, gang, 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 excuse me, gang, gang, gang coming through, wheelchair gang, you feel me? And boom, my boy who got shot 13 times on my one-year anniversary, Chef Nims, he like, um, I called him the next day, and I'm like, yeah, bro, we was fooling. Like, yeah, me and my boy, wheelchair gang coming through, like, you know. He like, hey, bro, that's it. Yeah. He like, that's your brand, bro. Like, he like, bro, you need to take that and run with mm-hmm. it. So then I hear Francois, and I'm like, hey, bro, my boy said we need to take this and run with it. Like, you know, whoop, like he like, I'm like, you know, I I I came up with this with you just on some joking stuff. So if you know, I want to run with, it, I want to run with it with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know, that's when we came up with our mission. You know. We promote positivity amongst wheelchair users and encourage them to live a boundless life. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, that's what he did for me. You get what I'm saying? He encouraged me to live a boundless life. You know, he promoted positivity in, in my life. You get what I'm saying? Like, and I told myself, like, bro, this is important, bro. What you do for what you did for me, bro, we need to do for others, bro. You literally just took my injury and I'm not supposed to bounce up and be active for two and a half to five years. You literally just cut that into a third. Yep. Just showing me the way, showing me that I can, you know. And it's crazy because, you know, through my platform, you know, I got dudes like, you know, the homie Bloodhound, you know. I got, you know, the homie S Money, um, um, you know, all these dudes that's newly injured. You get what I'm saying? The homie um, uh, SB, you feel me, out the 60s. Like, bro, like, you know. All these dudes are newly injured, you know, ain't been injured since December, you know, and they out, you know, I'm about to get ready. That's why I said I had an event that I got to, you know, take because my boy um, Bloodhound, it's his birthday, you know, I mean, it's his daughter's first birthday, you know, he didn't want to miss that. He like, hey, bro, you know, a lot of people can't help me with my wheelchair, this, that, and other, do you mind taking me to my daughter's birthday? You know, I'm, I got yeah. you, yeah. you know, and it's like, he's been shot since December, you know, so this is like four months, five months out for him, yet he's out. You know, I didn't get a haircut for eight months, six months. You get what I'm right. saying? Like, right. Just going through what I want. I didn't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? He got a haircut. He got, you know, his jewelry back going. Um, SB, 
He got a Jaguar, you know what I'm saying? Jack, he he been shot since January. You know, he got his hand controls already. You know what I'm saying? Like, just by me promoting this positivity and showing the way, you know, all these guys that's newly injured, once they push past and figure out this pain, they up and they out. Like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get, like, rich. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? This this life, rich life ain't stopped. And mine's not about to stop either. You get what I'm saying? Like, right. And it's just crazy that I just, you know, they just watching me and they, I'm just doing me. I don't, I don't do nothing, you know. I don't do nothing but just do me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like if I post a video of me going up some stairs, that's just literally because I literally like, hey, record this, and I literally needed to get up those stairs. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I just put it out there, and then it just seems to me that it inspires so many people, and it just touches so many people. That in itself is just amazing to me. And it's really surreal to me. Like, I really ain't even really embraced and, like, really fully I, – I really don't fully understand, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my my platform and understand, like, how I impact people. It, it don't feel real. Like, because right. at the same time, people saying, you doing this, you doing that. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to get up the stairs, bro. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Now, what was the exact moment where you got out of that dark place and you said – you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to be positive. Was it when you met Francois or was it something else? Yeah, it was around that time when I met Francois, man. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around that time and we would go do our therapy. And after therapy, we would go to my house and, you know, we'd do our thing, you know, you know, whatever we want to do, whether it was go to my cousin's house, chill, watch TV, you know, just having that partner there, you know. And that's why I, I'm there for my boys that's just getting shot. If you need me, you know, yesterday I went to the mall. I bought me some Air Forces, bought me some dozen white tees. My boy trained out the projects, you know, Jordan Downs. He like, hey, bro, can you cop me some forces? I can't really get to the mall as easy as you can. Oh, I got right. you. Hey, bro, can you cop me some white tees? I need, I need some fresh white tees, too. I got mm-hmm. you. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, just – just being that support for others, you know, as Francois was for me, you get what I'm saying? Right. And, like, you know, that's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy, man. Like, now, why did you choose to tell your story? I didn't want to, bro. It happened on accident. Okay. <laughs> My mom posted, I go back to the, uh, I need to just repost that video. I, it, it's the video of me swimming on my Instagram. And um, my mom, that was the very first. Well, I posted, but I didn't post nothing of me. You get what I'm saying? When I posted for the very first time, it was a post of, um, it was a post of, um, let me see, June 18th. Let me see, boom. Okay, it was a post of me saying happy Founders Day to Tuskegee. Um, it was a post on 4th of July, me, you know, fireworks and stuff like that. Um, but as far as me posting myself and letting people see me handicapped, oh, I did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one day my mom posted something on my Instagram. We got 8,000 views right now. It say we take this for granted some of the smallest things like swimming. My mama stole my phone and posted this. She is so fabulous. I love my mama. She is so beautiful, even if she looked like Dora the Explorer. I love my mama. That's literally, I'm, I literally went back on my page and I'm reading it right now, bro. That's literally her typing all of that. I literally got out the pool and said, Mom, what, what, 
you like? Why'd you do that? I said just take a video. I didn't say post it. <laughs> I'm mad, you know. And I look, and literally, like, you know, I look at the comments, and it's like, what he talking about? You straight, bro? Like that was the comments that people were saying because the people didn't even know I was shot. Right. Stay strong, bro. Love and prayers for me and the family. Like, just I was going through all the different comments, and you know, I was just like. Man, I gotta put this out. I can't hide this. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like people need to see this. Like, and that's what made me from that day on. Like, literally, that happened. That happened. Like, uh, what was that? Like October 11th. I posted another one. October 16th. Then I posted some October 19th, and then on October 20th was the very first time I posted the video of me being in the hospital wow. bed. And, you know, I started off by saying, never thought I'd be on this journey. Life has thrown my way. You never know how brave you are until you find yourself walking in a dark tunnel. I'm almost thankful for the battle God has given me. It's definitely put things in perspective for me. My battle my battle has developed a new strength within me. It has pushed me to do things I thought I couldn't. And, and, and it has allowed me to gain power out of my struggle. We often think our lives are the hardest and that nobody is struggling like you. But, in fact, there is somebody enduring greater hardship than you. That's why it's important for us to remember to be grateful for it. You know, and you know, that's why it's important for us to be grateful for the things that we have in life because tomorrow they could be gone. Wow. Wow. Yep. So, you know, that was the the whole spiel about, you know, that was the very first time that people saw me, you know, in the in the in the in the bed, like I had 113 comments on that, 841 likes. Like people, like people didn't even know that I was shot. Really, like, mm-hmm. what type of response have you got from people that knew you before this? Man, I got all type of responses, bro. Um, uh, hold on one second. Um, yeah, but I got all type of responses, bro. Like, you know, I've lost folks, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like people that I thought that should have been there for me, you know, they're not as supportive as, you know, that, that as they should, you know, and I cut them folks off, you get what I'm saying? And, and it's people that, you know, that I, you know, people that I've thought that wouldn't even have supported me that supported me, you get what I'm saying? And it's just like, you know, like my boy Malik and my boy, um, uh, my boy Malik and uh, damn, who it was somebody else that I had, um, you know, my boy Bruce and you know, just you know, me and Bruce we fell out for a long time, but you know, just through everything of me being, this is my best friend, you know, and we fell out over a girl. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, just you know, me being hurt, like he saw it and it, I guess it hurt him so bad, like you know, he just wanted to be there and support me. You get what I'm saying? And like, you know, he's been one of my biggest supporters, my boy Malik, you know, he went to Tuskegee with me, you know what I'm saying? He like, you know, he calls me like, what's up, bro? I got some free time. I got an hour free. You trying to walk? What's up, bro? Like, you know, you ate today, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, at first I used to be like, bro, why why are you calling me, asking me this? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, that's weird. Like, you know what I'm saying? But then I had to take in consideration, like, they only concern. They only, you know, they, they, they really are concerned. They are, they really have my best interest at heart. You get what I'm saying? And like I like I appreciate it now. Like you know what I'm saying? I didn't appreciate it before, you know, but now I appreciate it, man. You know what I'm saying? It's because like I said, those people that 
I thought that was going to be there and supported me and be there and never give up on me. Them, them the folks that gave up on me. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, even when it go down, you know, like to my ex, like, you know, I thought that was somebody that was going to be there and support me, you know, and I put her on the pedestal over a lot of people, even, you know, my family sometimes, including my mother, like that prior to me getting shot, I hadn't saw my mother in two and a half, three years, you know, just running around with my girlfriend, helping her move into, Norfolk and getting stuck out there for the whole summer and you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. you know different stuff like that and I never let nothing like that happen again because at the end of the day when I was shot in that hospital bed Angelica wasn't there my mama was there when I woke up out of that surgery my mama was the very first person that I saw and this is somebody that I thought that I could put on a on a back burner because I was investing time with this person no i will never do that again when i come back from miami i'm going straight to the bay to go see my mama Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you get what i'm saying and i make sure that i take out time you know to go see moms and you know what i'm saying to take care of those things that's important because you know when you moving fast and you got life coming at you at a thousand miles per hour those things you take for granted and you don't really you know think those things are important but those are the most important things right Right, right. Now, do you think from the day ones, do you think it's a matter of them not having the skills to help you and you need to have empathy there? Or is it their heart? No, I really like, and that's crazy because my day one, like, you know, I really feel like, you know, my day one, I feel like my cousin be real bothered, you know, by by everything that, you know, that, that it went on, you know, from me being in Jacksonville and, you know, like, I'm not going to say he kind of feels responsible, but, you know, like me being in Jacksonville, you know, him playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like he has some type of guilt, of, you know, about that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like he shouldn't. But him being a realist, I, I, I feel like he, he can't look at it like that. He can't look at it like I don't have no guilt. You know what I'm saying? And I say that because the way he interacts with me. Right. You know, he said, hey, bro, plug that. You can grab that plug out. Unplug that iPad for me, and I'm like, yeah, I got it. He like, you got it? Can you reach it? And I'm like, bro, it's right here. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> right. You get what I'm saying? And I'm like, he looking at this wheelchair like it's limiting me. You get what I'm saying? Although he see everything that I do, he still, it still doesn't, it's still not real to him. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, out of everything, you know, that's you know been going on, like, bro's been very, very distant. You know, and we was literally attached at the hip. And that bothered me a lot. You get what I'm saying? To the point where I'm like, I'm cool on him. I don't even want to be friends with him. Like, we family, but that's that. Like, I'm cool. I'm not about to be hitting you up. And then I just had to take into consideration everything that he's gone through with me and having to see every time he see me in pain and then see me in his wheelchair, that hurt. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see my dog like that. You get what I'm saying? And I had to take into consideration all of those things and just be like, you know what? Like, you know, everybody, even though I'm going through this, everybody is affected. Yeah. Yeah. And before I didn't have that, that perspective. Like I felt like I'm going through this and y'all need to get y'all shit together mm-hmm. and be here for me. You get what I'm saying? Not like, we need to be here for each other because I'm going through this shit and y'all going through shit too. That's how it should be. Right. Right. So what beliefs, behaviors, or habits have you adopted since then that have positively, positively affected your life? 
man, positivity, just adopting positivity and adopting love and adopting just, just, you know, that all of them, all them things right there has changed me into, like, it changed me into a person that I've always wanted to be, like, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I used to try to do things physically, whether it was me working out or me trying to organize my life and thinking that it was going to make me this type of person and this positive, loving person. Like, no, you got to actually have love and positivity in your heart to be a positive and loving person. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, you know, just, you know, just those two things in itself, bro, just being filled with love, being filled with positivity, and, you know, yeah, I go through my ups and downs, I get angry, I get impatient, and I'm human, you know, I make mistakes, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, acknowledging them mistakes and and, 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 and making sure that, you know, they don't happen again or, 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 you know, try to limit to how often they happen and, you know, just that, you know? Mm-hmm. And also not quitting, and you know what I'm saying. It's it's really the simple the, the the formula to my success is very simple, bro. Like it's very simple, bro. It's like I said, it's the love, the positivity, and not quitting. Yep, yep. So so, what do you do when you're feeling unfocused or overwhelmed? Um, back up, bro. I just I back up, bro. And yeah. yeah. I just let the days go by and I just don't consume myself and beat myself up and, oh, this is going wrong. Oh, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when I don't have catheters and I can't use the bathroom, Mm -hmm. I don't let that bother me and put me into a depression and stuff. I say, oh, fuck it. When I get them catheters, I get them catheters. Right. Right. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I say, you know, you know, when, when, you know, I'm going through certain stuff, I get what it is. When I'm going through certain stuff, like I'm, I'm not letting it bother me. And you know, I think that's what I used to do. I used to let stuff bother me. I used to let stuff frustrate me. And like, oh, I don't got catheters. Oh man, let's go blow some stuff up and go. You know what I'm saying? Act angry and mean. And you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's what I. That's how I, I, I embrace. You know, the things that I that I'm faced with. You know, going forward. Right. So, what are you currently doing now, and what are your plans going forward? Um, honestly, man, I'm just, you know, I'm putting all my, my focus into my therapy practices and, um, just, you know, moving forward, I want to continue to push my brands and just continue to help people, bro. Because, um, you know, just, you know, pushing my brands and helping people through that, like, bro, that's bigger than any paycheck that you can get working with 3M or any of these corporate companies or, you know what I'm saying? Like, that gives me more satisfaction than anything, you know what I'm saying? So, I've seen I've seen the videos of you doing pull ups, uh, in the chair, and then I saw the one with the guy just looking at you. Man, that's that's a beast. You got people that are fully functional and can't do one pull up, and you're doing what? How many are you doing at a clip? What ten, fifteen? Yeah, about yeah. Depends on the clip. I've done twenty of them, and, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, man. I just but that you know that was something that I used to do, um before I got injured. Like, I was big working out, especially, and I think that's just muscle memory, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, although I got shot and stuff, my muscles didn't forget how that bar felt, because I did a lot of calisthenics and a lot of body weight workouts and stuff like that, and, you know, when I got back on that bar, it was my body was like, oh, yeah, this is... This <laughs> yeah, right, is. right. You know, like, I, I remember getting off the bar, because I didn't get pull-ups before without the... Mm-hmm. 
it don't feel the same. When I do pull ups with that chair, it makes me feel like my old self. I was like, oh man, that feels great. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Now, in building your brands, what has worked for you and what challenges have you ran into? Um, oh, it's crazy because like in building my brands, like me and my 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 business partner, we constantly was butting heads about, you know, the administrative stuff, getting copyrighted copyrighted and trademarked and you know, all of that type of stuff and just being official. You get what I'm saying? I'm a hustler, so you know, I come from a background like let's just do it. Let's just push the brand. Let's just get it out there and push it, you know? So that was one of the the biggest conflicts for the business. It was just trying to come to that middle ground where we hustling hard, but we also are official and we also are handling that background administrative work. You get what I'm saying? Right. Sounds like you guys are a good partnership if he has that and you have the go, go, go on that offense. And then Yeah, most definitely. And that's why I was always just trying to just tell him about that like you know he always used to try to change stuff about me and I'm like bro cut it out mm-hmm. don't do that bro let me do what I do bro let me push this brand let me let, uh, let me hustle bro and you handle the footwork you handle the administrator the background work you know what I'm saying and when we bring it together bro it's just gonna be gonna come full circle you get what I'm saying and I, I can honestly say he didn't really understand it you know coming from his perspective, just like I don't really understand a lot of the things coming from his perspective. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like so I mean coming from my perspective, you get what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just, you know, just trying to get that person to understand and just, you know, um also just keeping in mind and respecting their perspective and, you know, respecting their views and, you know, that they have views for a reason. Like you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they have their views for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Right. But as far as, you know, my branding and all of that, I think it's because I really don't have no expectations for my brand. I don't have no goal like, oh, I want to make $100,000 before it is that and the other. Like, like, I think my goal is just to help people. And as long as I'm doing that, you know, it just makes everything easy just as far as like, you know, just going through certain stuff that businesses go through because like I said, I'm not, you know, a lot of the things, a lot of the stresses that business owners put themselves on, um, that a lot of the stresses that business owners go through are stresses that they almost put on themselves, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like, you know, to a certain degree, I don't necessarily put those stresses on myself and those pressures on myself because I'm just going with the flow. And that's just my, my, that's just how I operate with life. You know, when I don't have therapy and, you know, things, you know, I just go with the flow. I don't let that stuff consume me and bother me because when it's supposed to happen and I'm supposed to have therapy and I'm supposed to be working, Mm -hmm. it will happen. And I just got to make sure that I make it count. Right. You know, I watched your movie. I don't remember when I watched it, maybe six months, maybe a year ago. I I really don't remember, but I remember one, one, it was a tearjerker. And two, it was extremely well done. Did you write your movie? How did you do it? And what was the most challenging thing Man, about it? Literally, 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 that thing went like, um, oh damn, I gotta, um, I'm about to start actually heading out. But um, but we all good though. I can, as long as you don't mind me multitasking, we no, all good. Definitely don't mind. All right, but um, uh, what I was getting ready to say is um, the thing uh, about that documentary bro it was literally no structure to that mm-hmm. 
it was literally a bunch of, hey, bro, record this. Like, when they got me out of the band for the first time, I'm like, hey, bro, record this, bro. I don't, you know, I don't know what we recording it for. Just record it. Right, right. You know, and next you know, like, that, that, um, just going through those type of, just getting that, just doing that and just going through those processes, we, um, we were able to just, create all this raw footage. And when we sat down, we had a bunch of raw footage of different things to where we literally only had to sit down and do the talking part. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the B clips and hero footage and stuff, we had all of that. Um just every day working out and I'm like, hey bro, record this, record this, record that, you know, and then you know, we it, it we had like a a, a, a collection of uh, footage and we just went through it and edited and we sat down before it ended and said okay we want to you know open it up with um you know the part where you know they like oh what happened to Richard oh did he get shot oh is he off drugs is he this that the, the, the bickering mm-hmm. part you know we sat down and structured stuff like that and then we was like okay once we go there we're gonna have the gunshots boom 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 the cars start off and then it's going to open up into you talking. Yeah. yeah. You know, we structure stuff like that. But as far as all the other stuff, as far as, you know, taking y'all back over there where I actually got shot and all of that, like that, that stuff was just like, you know, stuff that just, we was, just, it just happened. Like, and that, it was just a blessing to just have that footage. Like, I'm like, oh man, you remember we got the footage that when I first got out the bed for the first time, we were like, oh man, we got to use that. You know, it was one of them type of things. Right. And that was someone you already knew that helped you with that, right? Charles Keys. My boy, my, my boy from Honey Crip. Right. Um wow. that I met. Wow. Um, you know, and he would come down. I remember when we did the talking part. I'm like, hey bro, I need you to come down. We need to do this talking part. He came down with the mic, the lights, the everything. Like I already had the camera, you know. And um, you know, I'm like, yo, but we got to do this, that, and the other. And he's like, all right, bro, I'm gonna come down and we're gonna make it happen. And we came down, he came down, we made it happen. Like, I think I might have bought his, his his ticket and stuff to come down and stuff just because I needed him to come down. And you know, like I said, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's trying to finish up at Tuskegee and you know, he's down and doing this stuff at Highlands. You know, his financial situation isn't all the way together. So I'm like, bro, I gotta, I, I need you to come down. I'm paying for yeah. it. Like, yeah. You know, and he came down, and we we knocked it out. It was it was great, right. man. I tell you what, brother, you're inspiring, um, cool guy. Uh, probably one of the best podcasts we've ever done, just because you're so forthcoming. Um, your ability to talk, your ability ex- to explain, your ability to tell a story, your willingness to be open and honest. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. This won't be the last time that we talk. We're going to help you in any way that we can. How can anyone find you? And do you have any encouraging words for anyone going through life-changing situations? Yeah, most definitely, man. Um, Well, I can be found on um, at the Richard Daw. That's the Richard, D-A-H-L. Also at the Wheelchair Gang and Walking Rich, um, all on Instagram. Um, if you Google Walking Rich, you can tap into my documentary. Um, it'll be the first one to come up. Um, as far as, you know, anybody that's out there going through something, um, my advice to you is just to keep that faith and just know that everything is going to work out. 
And, you know, although that you may be uncomfortable and things may not make sense, that there's going to be a point in time when things are going to work out and things are going to make sense in that, you know, every hardship that we go through, every hardship that we go through is, you know, temporary. And, you know, if we can keep our head high and, you know, make it through those dark times and make it through that dark storm, you know, there's light on the other end. You get what I'm saying? So my advice to anybody that's out there going through anything is just to stay positive and to don't quit. You get what I'm saying? Because the minute that you quit, you know, I look at it like this. If I would have quit, you know, a year and nine months ago when I first got shot, like my life, this year and nine months would be, would have been the the hardest year and nine months ever. Like, you know, but you know, I've decided to keep going. I decided to keep pushing it. It's made everything so much more easier. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When is the book coming out? Man, <laughs> man, I, 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 I talk to my boy about that, you know, all the time. Like I definitely want to write a book and, and I, I want to put together a movie, man, but you know, in, in, in God's timing, man, everything is gonna everything is gonna come out for sure. And I just gotta figure out how I got how I want to structure everything because, like, bro, I done been through so much. Whether it's foster care, you know, dealing with gangs and going to college and getting shot and like, you know, so I really, you know, I don't want to put somebody in a book or you know put somebody in a movie and they just like I'm just all over the place, you know, like, right. you know, that's probably one of the hardest things about you know the documentary is like structuring what part of my life did did, did I want to talk about and you know that's why I just was like you know what we're going to keep it simple we're going to talk about the last year of my life nothing past that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying and that's what made that documentary so good in my opinion is that we literally touched on just the last year of my life we didn't go into who I was before and this and you know you know people watching in now they're getting lost and you know what I'm saying like you know, it kept it simple and straightforward. So, you know, the book and the movie is going to come out just as soon as I figure out how I can engage with people and keep it as straightforward as possible. Rich, you have our full backing. We're here whenever you need us. I really, really, really appreciate you sitting down to talk to us. Yeah, man, I really appreciate y'all having me, man. This has been a great experience. And, hey, man, I ain't even going to lie. I had a, a lot of fun doing this. And, like, you know, I, I – I, you know, I didn't really see when we first started it, the importance of, you know, you when you said the whole 60 second things versus 60 minutes and just having that platform and like just having that dialogue. But now I, I, I clearly. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the HBCU audio experience. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you could go right now and leave a rating on iTunes. Uh, if it's a if it's a five, great. If you don't think it's that good and it's a one, that's okay too. But just give us an honest rating. And I'm also trying to get into the trenches a little bit more uh, with this audience. So if you have uh, anything that you picked up on or any thoughts that you have or anything you want to share, feel free to DM us, um, tweet us at HBCU Grad as well. Tweet us at the HBCU Audio Experience. And um, I just want to get into having more conversations. Thanks for listening. See you next time.